Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. Welcome to the Built Revolution podcast. This is Kelsey Henderson, president of Continuum Advisory Group. And today I have the pleasure of talking to Rebecca Snelling, the National Lean Director for JE Dunn. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. And thanks so much, Kelsey, for having me. I'm excited. So um, I invited Rebecca on today to talk a little bit about the challenges and uh, the benefits of, of driving real change um, in a major general contractor. And so, Rebecca, I'd kind of like you to start at the beginning and just give us a little bit of background. Um, what brought you to J.E. Dunn? And also, you know, where did your passion for lean and integrated project delivery begin? Um, yeah, so I, I will, I'll start at the beginning with me, the, the passion around lean came before IPD, um, and before long before Jay Dunn in 2008, I was working actually 2006, I had been with a small, um, about a $200 million specialty contractor. Um, I'd been there for 10 years and we were on our own lean journey. And for the year of 2006, I was brought onto an internal team where my job was to learn how to coach internally from some external consultants that we brought in. So we were learning to apply lean thinking to how we operated. And it was very different than what you run into in the AEC industry. It was a lot more focused on value stream mapping and um, making workflow in a the backend processes because the work we did as a specialty contractor was very linear. We had 10 steps, all that had to go in order of each other. So it was, it was quite different. But once I started working or learning more about lean, I just, it felt in sync with how I wanted to be. And I just connected with it really well. Um, I started coaching some of our internal leaders on lean leadership and that type of thing. And I, I just loved it. Um, it resonated with me. So when I left that organization a couple of years later, I wound up going to work for the consulting firm that had worked with us. That's when I got into the AEC industry. Um, after working with them for about four years, I started taking on some projects with JE Dunn Construction. The first one with them was an IPD project. And um, I had done a number of IPD projects prior to that with other clients. Um, but this one was where Jay Dunn then started to recognize like, oh, hey, there's a big benefit to doing this. So they hired me as a consultant on a handful of other projects out of our Atlanta office and continued to see really good results. So at that point in time, while we were doing good things there, the organization was starting to recognize that there was opportunity to go down this path. And I was ready to kind of leave the space of doing one-off projects and getting much more into a, an entire organizational transformation. Because I, I do believe 
making our projects better is absolutely a fantastic thing to do. But once we do that, what becomes the constraint for our projects is everything that our organizations are doing that get in the way of those projects being as efficient and effective as they could be. So that's kind of where my passion began around it was way back in 2006. And what brought me to Dunn was just the opportunity to have a longer term, bigger picture impact. That makes a lot of sense. And um, that really kind of leads me into the next thing that I wanted to ask you, because we all know that there are lots of barriers to change in big organizations. And as you just said, often the organization itself can be the barrier to really, you know, driving excellency on individual projects. Um, in addition to that, our industry is notoriously slow to change. I mean, you know, you see the, the graphs and the statistics and the charts all the time at every conference you go to. Um, so I'm sure there was, even, even with an organization who knew that they wanted to move in that direction, I'm sure there were still some challenges. Um, what was that experience like? Oh, by all means. Well, the, the first challenge, I mean, you're right. That, and the graphs, like you would figure five years later, maybe they're getting a little better, but they just keep getting worse. <laughs> it's, um, well, so I'll tell you, one of the first lessons I learned after I came to Jay Dunn was that when I was using the word lean, I had one understanding of it. When the organization was using the word lean, generally, they thought it meant I was going to plaster sticky notes across the company in all of our job trailers. So while I had done a number of projects with the one, the one office and they kind of understood things differently organizationally, we had a big disconnect in. And so it took some time to overcome that. Um, so I think that even was one of the first big barriers right out of the gate. And obviously, last planner system um, is a, a huge entry point for general contractors everywhere. And, and it should be, right? It's a great entry point. Um, it stabilizes the workflow. It allows you to, to have the opportunity to pause and make improvements on things you're doing. Um, but I would say um, the biggest barriers... That's that was one of the barriers early on. Um, as we've continued to advance our lean journey in the organization, we've had barriers from you know sometimes it's leadership, sometimes it's uh, frankly a superintendent or a project manager who's been doing what they do for the last thirty or forty years, and they've been really good at it. So why on earth would they want? Like I completely empathize. Why would they want to change or do something different? when they've been successful, right? Year after year after year. Um, so that's been a barrier. Another barrier that we've run into is, you know, when you're on a project team, you have influence as a general contractor, it's good. You at least have influence over your trades, um, but you don't always have influence with your design partners and with your clients. And sometimes clients can make it really challenging. Um, but what we've done to kind of overcome some of those is really look for where are the opportunities that we have, where we can drive change, um, and what are the things that we can do to make things better, and understanding that it's not going to be overnight before we're done, right? And, and, and in lean thinking, you're never actually done, and there are plenty of days where the barriers have been enough to make me or folks on my team want to pull their hair out. But when we pause and reflect and look at the momentum we have had, it's it's actually been really cool. 
we have had a lot of great steps forward. That's awesome. What did you start with something um, you, you mentioned, you know, your approach to lean and kind of what the organization thought it was um, and also sort of a disconnect between maybe where some specific offices were versus others. Did you start with any sort of like a, a gap analysis or an assessment or, or how you, you know, how'd you go about figuring that out? Yeah. So if I, I, I saw pretty quickly that there was a lot of disconnect um, in just even the usage of the language. Um, I also knew that my customer was the internal organization. So it wasn't reasonable for me to jump right in and say, this is all the things we have to do, right? That would not be palatable for the organization. Um, if I had told the organization back then where we would be five years from then, first of all, I couldn't have predicted it. But if I could have, they would have told me I was crazy and they would have said we probably hired the wrong person because they didn't understand that, right? So the very first year plan that I actually put together with the help of a couple other folks was around last planner system on a project in each one of our regions and building internal champions and some basic training across the board, things that they could understand mm -hmm. that, that were palatable and helped them. And so as we started to do those things, we started, the organization continued to learn more. And I learned a lot of things with them, right? And as a result of some of that too, um, I think you have to be careful with change. If not everybody is gung-ho and understands what direction you're going in, you have to be really careful to not put too much in place at one time, or you'll just turn a lot of people away and create a lot of cognitive dissonance. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, kind of taking a, a stair-step approach or biting off a little bit smaller, more palatable right. pieces. Right, that, that can be digested and people can get excited around mm -hmm. and then say, oh, now I want to try something else. And if you're focusing those pieces on where they're having problems, you, you're creating solutions, you're helping them create solutions. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is that you're you're kind of addressing their pain and so it doesn't necessarily feel so much like, oh, I have to do all these things and this change is being forced upon me. It's more like, I see a, I see a way out. I see a light. I see hope. <laughs> right. Maybe this isn't so bad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I know that you said you were kind of brought into the organization in order to kind of be a leader on this, but also we just talked about how they maybe thought that looked different than, than you did. <laughs> Is there anything specific that you can point to that really was a driving factor for you that that caused you not just to say, okay, well, you hired me to do this, and, and so I'm going to follow kind of a, a simple path, but to really become like a catalyst for change mm -hmm. in such a large organization? You know, I think it was my four, four and a half years consulting to different projects, different clients, different owners and general contractors and architects. Um I was fortunate enough, I hadn't recognized how broken our industry really is because all of the projects, all of the work I was doing were, you know, they were IPD or owners that were just driving lean into their projects. So I didn't have this kind of baggage that I had to carry on. So I don't, to me, it wasn't necessarily as much about 
I knew I had to help them change, but it wasn't, it, it was when I hear the stories about traditional construction, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's gotta suck. Like, how do people put up with that? And, and they do it over and over and over for, and they're so hardworking and it, it was mind boggling to me. And it was kind of the mindset for me of, I can help these people, right? I don't, I can't do what they do. I, I like the, even the skills part of it, right? Like I'm not even close to <laughs> that, but I can help them have a better experience. So I never really even thought about it as being a catalyst for change. For me, it was all about the people. That makes a ton of sense. Um, I think kind of along those same lines, I want to talk a little bit about culture, um, it, you know, and the work that, that we've both done with numbers of project teams who, who think they want to kind of embark on this path of lean. I always say that culture is really just the most important factor in whether any sort of a change initiative or any sort of a drive to implement something new is going to fail or, or succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that JE Dunn's culture kind of already aligned with, with lean and the principles of integrated project delivery um, and with moving in this direction? And if so, did, you know, did you take advantage of that in some way? Or if not, you know, how did you drive the cultural shift that had to happen? Yeah. So we're still working on that, <laughs> um, you know, nine years in, but what, what I would say the answer to the first question is, um, Yes and no, right? Parts of the organization. So we have 20 offices around the country. We have five different um, regions. Four of those are geographic and one of them kind of lays over and it's market-based. So each one of them has a little bit of their own flavor of the culture. And then each office is like a microcosm on their own. So it some of those offices were definitely much more geared towards this kind of thinking and this kind of behavior. And, and frankly, to have a framework to put around it was welcoming. Others were a little bit less. Um, so we've been working on the culture development side for the last nine years, really just embedding that in what we do um, in our industry forget about Jay Dunn and our industry, specifically the construction side, the word culture, I totally agree with you. It's absolutely critical, but to success of this, but it, it's almost like a bad word, right? People don't want to talk about it. It's like, Ooh, that touchy feely stuff. And it culture is here, whether we like it or not. And it's just about t- making sure that culture can help us as opposed to get in our way. Um, so even from the early on days where working with a team with last planner system, one of the things that I always have done is coach the culture without talking about the culture, without saying that that's what I'm doing, right? Definitely talk around reliable commitments and do training around those kind of things, um, embody the behavior of respect for people, but then coach people to have those same kinds of feelings towards each other, coach people to develop other people without saying that's what we're doing, coach people to um, have, you know, to create a better culture. And in in my mind, a, a good coach, um, that's what they do, right? They help people recognize on their own that they need to do things differently without telling them that that's what they need to do. Um, and around the word culture, 
that's one of those big areas that in our industry, I find it's actually easier to do it that way than it is to talk about the culture directly. Now, that's also in the last nine years, I think culture has come a long way in our industry. So it is getting talked about an awful lot more, especially in the lean construction industry, you know, community. Um, but when you're looking at trying to shift the mindsets of folks who are not there yet, it still is one of those things I think you have to be a little bit careful around how you articulate it. Yeah, kind of influencing it without um, without verbalizing it in quite right. that way. Right. Now, on an IPD project or with a team that's kind of gung-ho about it, then you can totally verbalize it because they're right there with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you talked a little bit about kind of taking it, you know, one piece at a time. And you mentioned a one-year plan um, that you established initially. Can you tell me a little bit more about what your overall process has been like? Like, did you did you establish a team that was supporting you and rolling this out? Did you use any other other than when you were the external consultant? Did you use any like outside consultants? Yeah. So. Um... Yes, to all of that, to some extent, when when we first started in in 2012, um, I did not envision that I would have a team of folks. What I was thinking was we would take people who are in operations and kind of make them champions and get them to be helpful with the other teams in their offices and that type of thing. Um, we still and I supported probably the first year I supported a number of teams directly while I was focusing on national strategy at the same time. Um, we did have a couple of external consultant support teams when my bandwidth was just too tight. Um, sometimes that worked out okay. Sometimes we ran into challenges when, you know, there, there are a couple of fundamentally different ways you can teach last planner system. And some consultants were fundamentally different from how I was teaching it inside. So we had to figure that out pretty quickly. Um, then probably about a year into my role, uh, the original office where I had been supporting a lot as a consultant said, hey, we're not getting enough of your time. We need to hire someone else that will report up to you that can help us on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's how the lean group at JDUN started. Um, we hired our first person in the winter of 2013, 14. And now the group is 10 large across the organization. Um, and we have put, we have hired them and put them in place based on the pull of our internal customers, right? So if we have an office who says we want more lean support and we need more of it, and it gets to the point where we know we can keep them relatively busy, we will look for someone to put in that office or we'll project it. It's coming, right? Um, because it, also, those are not easy positions to fill. They take quite some time to get the right person and then get them trained up. Um, but our team has grown from one to 10 over that period of time. Awesome. Um, with either with that team or kind of, you know, on your own, did you establish like a detailed roadmap and specific milestones? And then kind of how's progress compared to, to the plan? So the very first year I had a roadmap with milestones and that type of thing. Um, and then a couple of years went by where just it was within each region, we'd kind of figure out where do we want to be by the end of next year? What are we trying to do? And we would try to work together with leadership to, to build those goals out. 
Um, and a lot of it was focused on last planner system, but somewhere probably about, um, five or six years ago, four years ago, I, I took the overall kind of plan and thinking around it and reversed it from having a lean plan, right? Which the first year we had that lean plan that was, here's our milestones, here's what we're going to do. Um, and we shifted gears to embedding lean being the way that we can achieve the company strategy. So we took um, our, our key strategic initiatives and I laid out on that here are the multiple different tools or learning sessions or processes that we can utilize in order to help achieve these key strategic initiatives. And then what we would do is sit down in the planning time of the year with each regional leadership and say, hey, based on your current condition, we kind of feel like your big opportunities to a alleviate pain or to make some big headway in your efficiencies are this tool, this process, and this leadership learning thing, or whatever it might be. And then the regions would put that into their regional goals as how they're going to achieve their, their key strategic initiatives. And then we let that kind of cascade down through their region. And it does definitely vary from region to region, partially um, because of the the differences of levels of, of um, ownership by leadership in it, but also because frankly, each region is in a different spot and they have a different current condition within their, within their market, if you will. Yeah. I, I think that kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier with culture is, you know, taking their, their key initiatives, the goals that they've established sort of, I mean, almost like a, you know, a vision statement and, and the supporting, right. um, efforts and finding a way to to layer this as a solution versus just saying hey here's you know where your your scorecard is lacking and where you need to change yeah I, you know the the vision that i have set for jay down around lean since 2012 is that lean needs to be the way we are not something extra that we do right and initially it was layered on top of what we did now we need to, and we've started thinking about how it actually drives what we do as opposed to being some additional layer. That makes sense. Um, other than kind of some of the organizational barriers we talked about at the beginning, did you face any major roadblocks or have any kind of stalling points along the way? <sighs> yes. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of any that would, that are fun and, and worth talking about. I mean, we've, you know, we've had teams that we've set up that we've thought everything was going to be fantastic and they've completely fallen apart and we've learned tremendous lessons from them. Um, you know, I think the, we've had a number of experiments that have not gone well, but, um, one of my first mentors, always told me the only failed experiment is one you don't learn from. Um, so making a point to learn from those and, and how we can improve from them. Um, you know, it's with an organization as big as Jay Dunn is geographically and financially and the amount of work, it was actually, you know, the, the, the roadblock piece was a little bit easier for me largely because 
we can't be everywhere all the time anyway. So if, if a group or a department saying like, yeah, no, we're going to put up this roadblock around whatever, there's somewhere else we can focus our energy and effort, you know, um, with time, a lot of the big roadblocks go away and then new ones pop up, but that kind of thing. So um, I think the how we overcome them, it really just comes to tenacity coupled with the emotional intelligence of when is it okay to say like, okay, cool, you're right, do your thing, you're expert you in your thing, go do your thing and I'll wait till you're ready for whatever. Right. So, yeah, I think that's a huge component that and often we see leaders in our industry and I'm sure across, you know, most industries who might be really good at the tenacity, but not necessarily so great on the emotional intelligence side and knowing when's the time to when's the time to push and when's the time to back off a little bit. Yeah. 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 And, you know, in fact, one of the presidents said to me early on, um, probably about a year into the journey, maybe two, he said for him, it's a fine balance of being patiently impatient, right? To be patient enough for people to kind of like come along on their own, but impatient enough that you're making sure they, they get there. Right. Yeah. I think that's been one of my biggest lessons that I've carried with me throughout the last nine years. That's a, that's a great um, takeaway, a great lesson to share with others. I, yeah. I love that one. <laughs> So along those same lines, what advice would you give to someone else who might be, you know, fresh to this sort of a process, whether it's implementing lean and, and integrated project delivery or trying to drive change in some other way in a large organization? Like what would be your, your words of advice to you of nine years ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, be patiently impatient, <laughs> um, have empathy right? For our internal customers. And for as confident as you might be in what you think you might know, they know an awful lot about other stuff. And they there's a lot you can learn from them. And the more you can partner with your customer, the more effective you'll be able to be. Um, and for the love of God, look for their pain points and help make those better. Don't just implement stuff for the sake of implementing it. Um, so I think that there's a fair amount of a couple of little nuggets in there that I think are all huge. They don't sound like a big deal, but they're, they really are. They make the difference. Um, you know, I've seen some folks in industry um, put someone in a lean role in their organization and they go off and we're going to, everybody's going to do whatever. And they start to try to make it happen. And the teams just have no respect for the people trying to make the changes, you know, and um and you hear people talking about lean happened to me, not, you know, and it, that's not what it's about, right? It's about really making life better for everybody at the end of the day. That's awesome. That's great advice. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I think, you know, this would be a great conversation for anybody who's trying to lead that sort of an initiative, but also you know, for others who might be involved in the process somewhere along the way to, to kind of have some understanding of, um, of why J.E. Dunn took this path, you know, why you're on this journey and, um, and how you're hoping to help people along the way. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And you know, the, the last thing 
just keep learning, right? That, and I'm sure you can probably relate to this, but the more you know about this stuff, the more you realize there's so much more out there you don't know. <laughs> so. Absolutely. It is an unending journey. <laughs> it sure is. So awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, having me, Kelsey. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution pod brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.